Thank you for listening to the Motion City Church podcast, where at our core, we are about leading people into an authentic, growing, and thriving relationship with Jesus. Today, we are in part four of our series, Happily Even After, with a message called Have Fun. Let's listen in. We have been in a series right now. uh, This is week number four of a series that we have entitled Happily Even After because I am under the impression and I am under the belief that um, even though Happily Ever After doesn't exist except in Disney uh, cartoons, I believe that Happily Even After most definitely does. Uh, that you can have a happily even after marriage, happily even after the honeymoon is over and the kids show up when you realize your in-laws are insane and you have a rent and a mortgage. There is the possibility of happily even after all that. But one of the things that we have kind of circled back to numerous times throughout the series is that if we're not careful, we can allow things in our life to occupy the place of priority where our marriage and our relationship with our spouse should be. And the reality is, the truth is, this is not a decision, this is not a lifestyle that happens uh, in a moment, but what happens is we begin to make minuscule, small, almost seeming insignificant choices day in and day out, and all of a sudden we can find our marriage at the bottom of the heap on, uh, underneath a million other things. But the reality is, next to your relationship with Christ, if you are married, your relationship with your spouse is the most important relationship you have. And over the last three weeks, what we've laid out, what we've proposed, is that in order to have a happy, healthy, and lifelong marriage, you need to, one, start well. You need to start well. Uh, For those of you who are single, I've been praying for you as we have been talking through this series that you wouldn't zone out, but that God would begin to reveal uh, his perfect plan for your life and that you could have the opportunity to get it right the first time. That you could start well the first time. And and, and one of the things that, you know, if, if you have been divorced... I believe that God's grace is on your life, and I believe that, that you can start well a second time if that is what God has in store for your life. And then the second week, we talked about the idea of fighting fair. Talked about the idea of fighting fair. Do you fight to win, or do you fight to see things resolved in your marriage? Because here's the deal. If you fight to win, you lose. But if you fight to bring a resolution, everybody wins, and your marriage is stronger because of it. And then last week, we looked at the the topic of making your marriage a priority. And so this week, uh, the message is entitled, uh, Have Fun. It's a very simple title, but it's it's what we're going to be talking about. Because sometimes, rather than being friends, and as the Bible says, intimate lovers as husband and wife. uh, My wife told me not to mention TV, but this was just too funny because I was up all night and I had to keep my brain moving. I was watching 30 Rock and... And Tina Fey is one of my favorite uh, producers, actresses ever. And there was just this perfect, like, gut-belly laugh that existed in my living room from this overly tired guy. And um, Alec Baldwin's character, Jack Donaghy, said something to the effect that, that Tina Fey's character found out that he and this lady are lovers. And so Jack, Jack Donaghy, Alec Baldwin's character, just says in that Alec Baldwin way, we're lovers. And then Tina Fey says, just as perfectly as Tina Fey goes, oh... I don't like that word unless it's preceded with meat and followed by pizza. And so I was just howling alone in my living room last night. But as the, you know, the Bible says we're to to be intimate lovers as spouses, but, but so often many married couples after a while can actually become more like coworkers 
than friends and lovers. Life just becomes about going to work and coming home from work and paying bills and running kids every which way to every activity under the sun, and you just grind it out day in and day out. And, and, and everything that I just explained, you know what, to be honest, that's normal. You know what I mean? Like, that's a normal part of life. Like, in life, there is work that has to get done, and someone has to do it. And, and, but the reality is, uh, so often, people don't push through the monotony and, and the, the routine of life to see the beauty that lies within this relationship that God has blessed you. And if we're not careful, we can lose the fun component that's supposed to exist in our marriage relationships. And so if you're married here today, can I ask you a question? I'm going to put the question up on the screen. Oh, I'm not going to. Amanda's going to. Thank you, Amanda. Can you remember, married couples, can you remember how much fun it was when you first started dating the person you're married to now? Can you, some of you need to like shoot way back in the memory banks, but can you remember how fun it was when you first started dating the person that you're now married to? Jen and I, we actually, we met at, at, at college, in college at North Central University, and, and needless to say, when we met the first time, there were actually no sparks. And as we talked about being introduced in a variety of different things, we both had to admit to each other that actually we were very unimpressed with the other person. It's not a great start. Sorry, Nicholas Sparks. It's not a great start to what is a complicated, messy love story of ours. But we, we just weren't impressed. It, it, you know, and, 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 we, and so we went on with life and, and just being like, okay, met that person I guess. And, and so we kept on going through life. And, and then at the beginning of my junior year, I believe it was, I think it was the beginning of my junior year. Baby, you can correct me if I'm wrong at, after, sir. But I was getting ready to lead worship at the church that I grew up in and was intending. And all of a sudden, uh, I just realized, I just noticed that there was this blom, blonde bombshell sitting right in front of the soundboard. And it was almost as if all of my girl radars like went off at the same time. Like it was like, she's blonde, she's pretty, and she's present. And that was just like, for me, that was the criteria in college. It, she's blonde, she's pretty, and she was physically present in the moment. And, and all my girl radars were just going off at the same time. And after church, there was a group of us that would, would go out to Applebee's for lunch because, you know, back in the day, you went to Applebee's. That was the cool place. Uh, you went and had lunch. And all of a sudden, this blonde was at lunch. And I was just super excited because, man, I had already wowed her. I was assuming I had already wowed her with my indescribable talent for worship leading. So now I was going to seal the deal with my incredible personality. I am the person when Jen, he's got a great personality. I'm that guy, and I'm fine with that, and I'll work it. But I was going to wow her with my personality. And at some point during lunch, I asked for a telephone number, and she gave it to me. And, and fast forward to when we started dating, and it was during winter, and we were walking back to the, the building where our dorms were. We had to walk through uh, Hennepin County Medical Center from all the main buildings. And, and, and we were trying to run across the street because, again, that's what you do. Why would you go to the stoplights when you can just sprint and take your life into your own hands and just run across the street? And so we did that, and my cell phone dropped out of my pocket, and a truck ran it over. Yes. That's not the most dramatic thing in the story, Mom, but, uh, but that did happen. Uh, and, and so my phone run, gets run over by this truck, and, but, but here's the thing. Like, it didn't matter because it gave us an opportunity to drive in a car and hold hands and go to the Sprint store and find whatever free phone they were going to give me because I was a broke college student, but I needed a phone because Jen might call me. And so we went to the Sprint store. And I said, my phone got run over. They didn't, 
look at me with any sort of pity and went into the back and got me the most janky, horrible flip phone you have ever seen in your entire life. And while we were waiting for everything to, to kind of go off, I was thinking, man, I really like this girl, and I think she really likes me, and, and, and we're in this really crowded Sprint store, so why wouldn't this be the first place where I try and kiss her? And so I lean in, and I, and I tried to kiss Jen, and she, with the speed of a possessed gazelle, shot her head back, and it was the most blatant sign of rejection, I think, that has ever, like, it was like everyone in Sprint stopped, like the cell tower stopped working because the rejection was so hard and so real. And on and so I got my new phone. It was like a victorious defeat at the same time. Like, I was victorious because I got a new cell phone, and then I was defeated because I was rejected in, in this kiss. And so we left, got in the car, and, and had a very awkward drive back to school uh, and, and kind of parted ways. And then, you know, a few, uh, about a week later, we, we, found our, we were hanging out again, and, and, you know, again, I took her to the most fancy restaurant that I could afford at that time, which was Burger King. And, uh, and so I said, hey, babe, you're important. You can have it your way. And so we went to Burger King, and, and we're, thank you. Um, and so we went to Burger King, and, 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 we're, and we're having a good time, and we're having a good meal for $13. And, and, um, and, and so we're, like, hanging out, and we're, we eat, and we leave, and all of a sudden, we get in the car, and we're going to go back to school, and I just—it was one of those things, like, I could not get past this, this rejected kiss, and so we kind of buckled our seatbelts, because that's what you do when you're telling stories in front of your mom. You buckle your seatbelt, and, and so we buckled our safety belts, and, and I just looked at her, and I said, why did, you why did you not let me kiss you? Because when a guy gets rejected that hard, like, the world kind of stops. Like, I failed tests throughout the week because of that rejected kiss. Like, whatever the question to the test was, my answer was, well, what does it matter? She didn't kiss me. And like, that was the answer, and it was just this horrible week, and so, uh, th so I, I asked, why didn't you kiss me? And, and her answer was simply this. She said, I didn't want our first kiss to be in front of all those people. See, that's the practical way my wife thinks. I'm impulsive. Again, blonde, pretty, present. Why not? Like, and so my wife is very practical. She said, I just didn't want our first, <clears throat> I didn't want our first kiss to be in front of all those people. And then she said something that changed the course of history and is actually why we're all here today. She said, but that doesn't mean you should stop trying. My wife is smooth. <laughs> and so I thought for about half a second, and I leaned in, and this time she leaned in as well. And we had our first kiss in the Burger King parking lot in the quarry of Minneapolis. It was the greatest three hours and 22 minutes of my—actually, it was probably more like three minutes. But it was the best three minutes of my—maybe three seconds. It was the best three seconds of my life. And from that point, all, all I wanted to do was spend time with Jen and talk with her and hold her hand and kiss her and talk to her some more and, and kiss more than we talked. And I remember having more fun with Jen doing anything and everything in those first few months of our relationship. But the reality is those feelings of fun really only come to happen in life a few times. Because life happens. I mean, you think about the first kiss. I mean, there's nothing like a first kiss. There's nothing like the first time that Jen fell asleep on my shoulder. It was the most amazing thing ever. Like, I was like, I thought, like, she fell asleep on my shoulder, and like, with this exuberance, I was like, I'm stuck. Like, this is great. 
and now we're eight years into marriage, and two kids later, she falls asleep on my shoulder, and I'm like, I'm stuck. The th- and things change. I mean, you remember the first time your phone dinged and you saw their name because they comprised a text message for you. Remember the first time, guys, you know, against you fought ladies, the first time that he surprises you with flowers. I mean, it was the, there's nothing like those first experiences, but the, those things happen uh, only a few times, and you get married. And, and honestly, if we, if we can be honest as married couples, those feelings of fun fade, don't they? Those feelings of fun fade, and they get replaced with the, the realities of work. When Jen and I uh, get, to cha- get the chance to do pre-marriage counseling together, we always ask the questions, basically, of what is it that you like or love about your fiancé? What's the thing you like and love most? And, and sometimes the, 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 fian- the female, she'll say, well, she loves how laid back he is because she, she knows how uptight she can be at times. And, and then as gallantly as the, 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 the gentleman can say, he goes, he chimes and he says that he never sees her as wound tight, but he appreciates how, how dreadful driven she is. Or she'll say how much she loves the fact that he jokes around all the time and, and de-escalates situations, and he'll say, man, I just love how organized she, she is. And at some point, probably six months into it, all of a sudden, all those cute things that were praised at first now becomes the thing that your spouse demonizes you for. When you first heard laid back, now you hear lazy. And driven becomes slave driver, and the jokes that used to alleviate circumstances now uh, are are, are just, they become nails on a chalkboard because he can never take anything seriously. And and when you have that person who is so organized, it becomes their control freak every, every time. Every time it happens. And, and just like that, the fun begins to fade. And as I thought and I prayed and as I reflected on my own marriage, as I prayed for your marriages, I want to propose today that in the time that we have remaining that that life and marriage is not so much about having fun, although fun is important, but marriage is about being fulfilled in the relationship that God has called you to. To see, it has to, it, it has to be more than fun because life does change, and in every season of life that you have together, you change. I think about who I was eight years ago, before, right before I married Jen, and I think about who Jen was eight years ago, but I mainly think about me. Um, but I, and I think about, man, thank God I'm not that guy anymore. And I begin, and I, I hope in eight years I can say of the 16-year marriage version of me, saying to the eight-year marriage version of me, man, thank God I'm not that guy anymore. Hopefully I get better with time. Hopefully I get better with age because life changes and things change. And you can go from all I want to do is kiss this person. You, you move from this unrelented passion to this, this, this sort of like construction mentality where you begin to build a life and a legacy together that hopefully honors and serves Jesus. You go from unbridled passion to deep friendship and companionship. And, and if we don't understand that, we can make the awful mistake of giving up on parts of our marriage because we thought we weren't having enough fun. You see, fun is, is, is really a momentary word. It's, it's here uh, one second and gone. See, fun is a roller coaster or a concert. It's here one second and gone the next. And I think that we need to strive for more than simply fun. We need to strive for more because when the fun fades and all of that's gone, what you're left with is a, another human being. And hopefully, the life that you've built with that person is something worthwhile and something to hold on to and something to look back with fondness and love in your heart. 
In the Song of Solomon, uh, it's a Song of Solomon, it's a conversation between a husband and a wife, and the wife, in, in this conversation part, the conversational part of the book, gives the definition of a relationship with her husband, and check it out, it says this in Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, the second half, it's a, she says this, this is my beloved, this is my friend. I love the way the message translation says it. I would love it if my wife said it this way. Uh, she, sa- she says this, that's my lover, that's my man. I, I, would, I love that. I love that way that the message says it. That's my lover. That's my man. What an amazing <clears throat> description of marriage. He's my beloved. Other translation would say he's my lover and he's my friend. And without raising hands this morning, how many can say that their spouse is their friend? When I think about the friendships that I have, I spend time with my friends. I go places with my friends. I have fun with my friends. And and going back to the book of Genesis, after God made the first man, Adam, God determined that it wasn't good for man to be alone. I feel like that's kind of an overall arching theme throughout humanity, that when too many men get together by themselves, just trouble happens. And God's like, it's not good for men to be alone. And so what God does is he, he makes this most wonderful creation, and he solves this problem of loneliness with a woman. God's solution for man's loneliness is a woman. And we see in Scripture that the first human friendship in all of history is between a husband and a wife. How cool is that? They're lovers and they're friends. And so if you're married here today, how, how's your friendship? How's your friendship? What do you do together? Where do you go? Just the two of you. What do you talk about? If you could rate today on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being pitiful and 10 being exemplary, how would you rate the friendship that you have with your spouse? So you're not going to have much fun if you're not friends. And if you're not having fun because you're not friends, you can throw that lover part right out the window. And so the question this morning that I want to sit the rest of our time on today is this. How do you build fun and friendship into your marriage? How do you build fun and friendship into your marriage? And the first way is this. If you're taking notes, the first way is number one. Is that my, is that my quacker back there? No. Who is that? Is that Maddie? Hi, Maddie. Oh, it's okay. You can be as tired as you want. You're so cute. You can do whatever you want. It's awesome. But you, number one, if you're taking notes, is side by side. The way to build fun and friendship into your marriage is side by side. King Solomon, the author of Song of Solomon, is the author of another book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, and it's an amazing book. And, and throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is wondering, like many of us have from time to time, what is the meaning of life? Solomon begins to ask questions about his existence on this planet, and he begins to ask questions of himself, like this one found in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 3. Solomon says this, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. The second part I love, he says, I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Solomon is considered to be the wisest man in all of human history, and he is wondering if there is anything worthwhile for men and women to do with the limited time that they have on this earth. And so Solomon tries everything. He travels. He builds empires. He becomes king. He eats incredible food. He, 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 he goes through every type of experience, and and all he could think about as he, as he kind of wraps up his, his quest in chapter 9, he comes to the grand conclusion, and it's this, and I love this. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9 says this. Is he says, enjoy life 
with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all of the meaningless days. He says, that's it. That's, he's seen it all. He's experienced all. And the grand conclusion for what is the purpose of this life is to enjoy life with the one who God has given you. And I love that Solomon adds that word meaningless. Like it kind of isn't a real sexy word at times, but he throws it in because, man, if we're honest, how many days are just kind of meaningless? Like really, like you wake up, you get dressed, you don't eat breakfast, you go to work, you work hard, you come home, nothing is happening, so you go to bed and just to wake up. I mean, there's just certain points and cycles in life that just seem sort of meaningless, and I love that Solomon's honest about that. Like, he's, like he's following the Lord with everything inside of him, and he's the wisest man ever. And, and man, I think of Solomon's life, and it should be this exuberant expression of just incredibleness. It's like he's like the, all four of the Incredibles tied into one dude. Like, this dude's the greatest, and all of a sudden he goes, man, but I experienced these meaningless paint-the-garage-type moments of life, and, and I appreciate that. Uh, Max Licato, uh, amazing author and amazing pastor, he says this. He says, so much of life is just simply spent rowing. But then we go back to what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, but what a joy to row through those meaningless days of life with a spouse that you love and who loves you back. The first way to build fun and, and friendship into your marriage is side by side. So again, the question I have to ask, what, what do you and your spouse like to do together? Not what do you like to do and drag them with you. What do you enjoy doing together? What are the things, that, what are the activities that you do together? What do you like to talk about? Because at the end of the day, it's not so much about the activity itself. It's about the person who you experience the activity with. And when you experience activities with someone you love, I believe that fun becomes a natural byproduct of your time together. I can't even tell you how much fun I have had with Jen mindlessly wandering through Target with no goal in sight, but we seem to be spending money. And it's so much fun to wander the aisles and talk about nothing and everything at the same time. So I hate going, I hate the Mall of America, I'll say that. I used to love it, I used to work there. But now I live with three girls and I just hate it. And, uh, but when Jen and I get to go by ourselves, it's a game changer. I'll walk every level nine times. Because even though I hate what I'm doing, I really love who I'm doing it with. Uh, in her book, Highly Happy, Highly Happy Marriages, author Shanti Feldman interviewed and surveyed a thousand couples who, on the scale of what she was looking for, were, were decided to be happy, and she discovered this, and this is from the book, Highly Happy Marriages. Ninety percent of the happiest couples say that spending time together is the biggest reason for their happiness, doing home projects, talk, taking walks, going to kids' sporting events, watching TV, or even going to the grocery store together can be fun. And so in this life with your spouse— it's not so much what you do, but the fun comes from who you're doing it, whatever it is, with. 
being side by side and doing things together. The second way that you can build fun and friendship into your marriage is this uh, second way is face to face. This is when you take a step away from, a step into side by side and move into the deeper levels of intimacy as a couple, not just, again, living side by side, but face to face. And this is extremely important because too many couples, once the kids come and once the busyness of the jobs come, we can become so used to existing side by side that we can forget that our spouse has a face. And we can forget that, man, we used to at one time love just staring at the face. The whole thing. And if we're not careful, we can exist side by side and only learn a profile. There's something that happens in conversation in your demeanor when you get back to a posture of face-to-face. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but for me and Jen, it's sinking into a booth at Crave at the Mall of America. We lose ourselves in that atmosphere, and we just pick up talking. We, we talk about serious things. We talk about fun things. We talk about nothing because I'm telling her to put her phone away. I am. Apparently, Facebook is way more attractive than me, and I get that. I get that. Mark Zuckerberg, he's a good-looking dude. Um, but, um, or sometimes we get to go to a conference together. We got to go to, uh, a Los, we got to, go to Los Angeles um, a year ago, we got to go to this church planning conference that I actually traded Jen in for Blake this year when we went to Florida, and, and, and it, was, it was wonderful. I, less snuggling, but it was, it was good. It was good. It's good but different. You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> again, so tired right now. That just, anyway. We get the opportunity to go to, we get to break away from the routine of life and, and find some quality time, just the two of us. I love what Proverbs chapter 5 uh, Starting in verse 18 says, it says, May your fountain, or, or the description of fountain is your life. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. And then this is a little PG-13. I'm just letting everybody know. Uh, but the fellows will agree. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breasts satisfy you always. And may you ever be intoxicated with her love. Other translations of the Bible say captivated instead of intoxicated. But to be intoxicated or captivated means that you are dialed in and focused on your spouse and them alone. See, oftentimes people think that to increase the fun factor in their marriage, it's to allow them to kind of spread their wings and allow their focus to wander to other people or other experiences. But the reality is the opposite is true. See, to increase the fun in your marriage, it is to be intoxicated or captivated, to be dialed into the love of your wife or the love of your husband alone. And it's amazing that this is actually the lie that is underrooted in the entire industry of pornography. Pornography will tell you that to increase the intensity, the increase the exposure will increase, of pornography will increase the intensity and focus towards your spouse. But the reality is uh, pornography, though, does not increase the desire that you have for your spouse, but rather it dilutes it, it dulls it, and it ruins it. And the Bible says rejoice in the wife of your youth. Be captivated by her alone, face to face, which means time away from the kids if you have them. Time away from your phone. Time away from the TV. Time away from the internet. Time away from the thing or things that would rob your attention and your best that your spouse needs from you. Uh, John Gottman, who's a marriage expert, expert, and and thinking about kids, he says, uh, we're going to throw the quote up on the screen. This is hilarious. It says, a child is a grenade. 
Have fun, boulders. A child is a grenade that sets off seismic changes in a marriage, often for the worse. And if you have it, you can say man, that, you know, that that's true. That's true. Tim, um, amen, not too loudly because Jen is back there, but then I said it into the microphone, so it doesn't matter. She heard it anyway. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Couples, married couples, that is why you need to spend time with each other away from your children. Last week we looked at implementing a one-by-one-by-one strategy where you spend face-to-face time with each other once a day, once a week, and once a year. Your marriage needs it, and your kids need you to do this as well. And guess what? If you leave your kids with grandma and grandpa, they will be fine. They may ingest more high-fructose corn syrup than you prefer or processed macaroni and cheese, but they will be fine. And like I said last week, the best thing that you can do for your kids, parents, the best thing that you can do for your kids besides lead them into a relationship with Christ is to have a healthy and happy marriage where you are in love. And this means getting away and getting together at the same place on the same page because those kids need you so desperately to be in love. Put it on your calendar. Make face-to-face time a priority. And our third way to build fun and friendship into your marriage is this. Um, I'm just going to call it nose-to-nose. Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, Solomon's, uh, Solomon's wife says that he's, uh, that he's her lover and your friend. So I'm going to ask you a very personal question. How's the lover part in your marriage going? John Gottman says it this way, there's no other area of a couple's life that has more potential for embarrassment, hurt, and rejection than sex. The topic of sex can be a topic that brings a lot of frustration uh, to the surface for couples, and if there's one thing that I want you to hear when it comes to this part of the message, it's this, and I would write this down. Sexual intimacy is a direct result of relational intimacy. Sexual intimacy is a direct result of relational intimacy. It's all about relating with each other well, side to side, then face to face, so you can get nose to nose. Now, what can make this complicated at times and, and, and frustrating is that men and women have been built differently when it comes to their physical and sexual desires. Um, if you haven't figured that out yet, talk to Tim uh, after service. I don't want to have that conversation. Um, but but uh, I mean, it, can be, it can be maddening at times. The times I meet with couples, and, 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 I, and, and, and this is not, I don't want to like overarch every relationship, but oftentimes, uh, stereotypically, it's the guy who is always ready to go with a wife that is never I'm not saying that's across the board, but I'm just saying that's the, the routine that's been. And, and it can become so frustrating, the, the differences. But, but actually, when we understand and we, when we come to an un, a functional understanding that there are differences, it actually becomes helpful in our, in our sexual relationships. And then to take it a step further, if you need to ask your spouse, what do we need to do to get back to intimacy, can I encourage you to ask that question? Can I encourage you to ask that question today. And again, this, I, I don't want to simply just settle on physical intimacy because, man, it's relational intimacy as well. But maybe some of you need, some couples in here need to have a very serious conversation today 
Don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. And if you need to have a difficult conversation, have it today. Intimacy is not something that will just magically happen, but it is something that you strive towards, something that, you, uh, that each of you needs to place a high value on and continue to strive towards every day of your life. Because just like your marriage being a priority, there will be things that come up that will try and steal the proper place of intimacy in your marriage. Very, maybe irreverent example, but it, it goes from being Netflix and chill to just Netflix. And sex is way better than Netflix. But there's a relational side that happens, and, it's, and, it's, and this, this sexual and physical intimacy is something that needs to be sought after, something that needs to be guarded, and something that needs to be stri- striven towards. Sex is something that is not only fun, because sex is a lot of fun. It is fun, but sex is something that's not only fun, but it's, it's a very unique way that God designed for a man and a wife to bond and mix vulnerability and intimacy. And it's, a, and it's a vulnerability and intimacy that your marriage so desperately needs. And so at the end of all this today, after this crazy trip we just took, I believe that God is the creator of everything, including fun. And I believe that his desire for your marriage relationship is to be one of both fun and fulfillment. But it takes a lot of work and intentionality to get to the kind of fun and fulfillment that helps sustain a marriage through not just the good times, but as Solomon in Ecclesiastes puts it, the meaningless times as well. And my prayer for you is that your marriages would be marked with fun and fulfillment. Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for marriage. It is a mind-numbing minefield at times. But God, you, you have designed our marriages not to simply be a monotonous daily grind, but something to be experienced with someone that we love. God, I pray that you would strengthen marriages in this place today. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to bring life back into uh, worn out, possibly even dead relationships. God, that you would breathe life and you would breathe purpose and that you would breathe hope into relationships once again. God, may our marriages, especially if we are followers of you, may they be marked by your creativity and you are a wonderfully creative God. You are an amazing God. You are a fun God. So Father, may our marriages be marked. May our marriages be distinguished. May our marriages be something that a broken and hurting world looks at and says, I don't know what that's about, but I'm curious. God, would you use our marriages to reflect Jesus in this world? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Motion City Church podcast. We hope that you have a great week. To find out more information about Motion City Church, please go to www.motioncitychurch.com or you can follow us at Motion City MN on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter.